Today on Across the Cavs, we welcome John Michael, voice of the Cavaliers. We're talking Alec Burks and Derek Rose and what they did on Sunday. A look back at the season and a lot more. Hope you enjoy today's episode, which is brought to you by DraftKings. It's playoff time. Big stakes, bigger promotions. It's time to hammer the over and score some cash. DraftKings Sportsbook is giving you a chance to lower the over-under on a featured playoff game. All players who place a bet on the featured game will have a hand in lowering the over-under on the game. That's right. For every 1,500 players who bet the over on the select game, the over-under will drop by one point. The best part is that even as the line lowers, the odds remain at even money. That's right. You can double your money by hammering the over and understand that DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code TBPM when you sign up to hammer the over. For every 1,500 people that bet the over in the featured game, the line will decrease by one point. Yes, this is your chance to improve the odds of the overhitting. So tell your friends and family this is a team effort. Hammer the over and improve your odds of doubling your money. That's promo code TBPN for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbooks. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. This is Across the Cavs. It is Monday, May 24th, 2021. Shout out Anderson Varejao at 1.17 p.m. He came back to the Cavs. We got to enjoy him for the last couple of weeks as we introduce today's guest, who was there for a good chunk of Arizhao's first stint and saw him out as well. John Michael, TV play-by-play man for your Cavaliers. John, how are you on this Monday in the, in the Cavs offseason? Terrific, Zach. How you been? I'm good. I'm good. You know, I think we the last time we were on was right around the All-Star break when uh, the Cavs had picked up a nice little four-game winning streak and Dean Wade was in the starting lineup. And so now that we're at the end of the season, I'd love to ask you first, what was it like, you know, seeing Anderson Varejao back in the wine and gold for the last few weeks of the year? Well, it, to me, it was phenomenal. I mean, when you asked me to list the, the top handful of guys that I've covered in, in any sport that I've covered, uh, Andy's right there in the top of that pack. And to, be, to see him come back and to see him embraced by the, the fans here in Northeast Ohio and to look good. I mean, he, you know, he played short stints, but he looked, you know, he looked good out there on the floor. So, and the fact that he went out on his own terms, you know, or, I mean, and he hasn't even, you know, gone out, you know, might be overstating it. We'll see what happens uh, in terms of the off season with Andy. But uh, I thought it was great just to see him in wine and gold. Once again, uh, he has that spirit and that flair uh, and he's so well liked, not only, you know, among the fans, but among the organization and among the team as well. Uh, I, I thought it was phenomenal and it couldn't have been better for him. Uh, uh, in terms of the way uh, this season ended. And when he put the move on Luke Cornett when the Cavs are playing the Celtics, could you re- did you really think he was 38? Because it looked like he turned the clock back about 15 years with that footwork. I wouldn't put anything past him. <laughs> I, I really wouldn't. Uh, and it was, you know, it, it's impossible to watch that without a smile on your face, you know? If you ask me, just the way, uh, just getting to know him a little bit and to see him come back and to work so hard to be able to do that. You know, I mean, he hadn't played in the NBA in a handful of seasons. So, uh, you know, I hadn't played competitive basketball since the FIBA World Cup uh, representing Brazil. So 
uh, hats off to Andy, and I thought it was uh, just spectacular uh, on so many levels seeing him back. Yeah, it was terrific. You know, I got to find uh, my neighbor who was from Brazil. Uh, actually sat next to him on a plane back in 08. It was 07 or 08 on a plane to Brazil. They're literally next to each other. So I got a cool personalized autograph. So I got to find that to prove my fandom because I never picked up a Verizhou shirt over the years. I probably should have back in the heyday. But anyway, uh, talking about centers here, John. And when you were last on, we talked a lot about phonetic spelling. And so having watched all the Cavs games, there were some nights I listened to the other announcers where I, I didn't have you and AC. And so... Talking about a certain number 55. So here, here's the question for you. I, I know when we spoke, I think it came off as Isaiah Hartenstein. And that is what I believe to be true. But I listened to Mark Folliwell and I think I listened to Eric Collins and there was one other. And they would say Stein. And I was thinking, you know, when we're listening to our home guys, you know, they're always on the Stein bandwagon. But then I went to basketball reference during my last recording with Mac Perry from the It's Cavalier podcast, and it said Stein. So what's up with that? Well, it's not uncommon. I mean, you know, you see a lot of guys throughout the career. Ben Hudre is a perfect example that, you know, he'd go from team to team and it would be something different every time. But a lot of these guys are comfortable with the, you know, just the way it's, I guess, Americanized in English. And, you know, we talked to all these guys before, the season or when they're acquired and Isaiah said Hartenstein it's fine you know but in previous I mean it's not uncommon again Zach that you know when he was playing before he came to the NBA you know it might have been Hartenstein or depending upon who he talked to you know formerly that's that's not all that uncommon uh, in seeing guys do that and guys almost some guys want their names to be a little more Americanized you know instead of that pronun the pronunciation that you might find overseas so that's it's less I think it's less unusual than you might think. And yeah, we talked to Isaiah, it's Hartenstein and off we go. So. Wow. All right. I think we got to have a talk with the people at basketball reference because they, they're always there for us. We need pronunciations and I'm siding with you on this one. I, myself, I, I prefer Hartenstein as well. It is easier, but I mean, taking it from the man himself who hopefully comes back, he's only 23 uh, to the team next season. We get more Hartenstein moments. And speaking about, you know, coming back guys that left, and one thing I've really enjoyed, John, and obviously this is what happens when a team goes through a rebuild. You have a lot of veterans that, that come in and then eventually, you know, they're shipped out. You know, they're used kind of as trade bait. We've seen it with Alec Burks. We saw Derek Rose for a little while. We had Isaiah Thomas at one point, of course, Dwayne Wade. And so I want to look to the New York Knicks. They have two specific guys right now, both former Cavs. Uh, Alec Burks played there two years ago. Derek Rose three years ago. I want to talk about Alec Burks first. And John, I was there, thankfully, in person, as you were calling the game uh, on radio. Uh, it was Cavs Nets. It was December third, twenty eighteen, and it was uh, Nets were up by one. Alec Burks came down the court, saw an open lane, and basically did what Lamar Stevens did against Atlanta. Got himself in there, threw it down in the closing seconds, gave the Cavs the lead. How impressed are you? by what he's done in New York and then coming in with a playoff career high 27 last night. I, I mean, I know he's good, but seeing him do that at this level against the competition of Atlanta, who has some really good perimeter defenders, that was just incredible for me to see personally. Well, I mean, impressed. Yes, but surprised. Not really. I mean, uh, that's what Alec Burks does. I mean, the guy's a professional scorer and he's done it throughout his career. And, you know, he hasn't played a ton of games this season, you know, in and out of that next lineup, but, 
he's a guy who's always ready. I put Derrick Rose in the same category. I mean, Rose, you know, the, these they weren't in Cleveland for very long, but anybody who's been around the NBA knows what Alec Burks can do, knows what Derrick Rose can do. And I think this fit in New York is a good one. You know, this is the type of team that works for two veterans like that, you know, and, and Tom Thibodeau deserves a lot of credit as well, piecing, you know, the younger guys along with those veterans and making all of this work. So uh, hats off to both Burks and to Derrick Rose, but I don't think any of this has been all that surprising to anybody around the NBA. Uh, both guys have kept themselves in great shape and you have to credit them both for being able to bounce back from various injuries throughout their careers. So, uh, you know, what they're doing in New York is pretty special this season. I'm, I'm looking forward to the rest of that Hawks next series. Uh, most definitely. And John getting a little more on Alec Burks. So yeah, his career, unfortunately, injury, injury, injury. We look at his years in Utah and there was a period from 2014 to 2018 where he only played 27, 31 and 42 games over a three year span. Then he got himself healthy found his way to Cleveland. Was there a specific, other than the dunk, you know, against the Nets, was there a specific moment where you realized, you know, as someone that calls all the games, yeah, this guy is really special and we're really lucky to have him because it seems like in Utah, they just got Donovan Mitchell in there. They still had, they had a really good depth chart at the guard spot. So his minutes weren't there, but was there that moment for you? And you're like, we are very lucky to have gotten this guy like we did. I don't know if there's a moment, but I mean, his professionalism, is is with him at all times you know what i mean so as soon as you acquire a guy like this you say yeah this is a this is a nice piece for this team and i think you're right that his time in utah was coming to an end um and you know he was now a periphery piece and moved on to the Cavs. so i don't know if there was a moment zach but when you acquire a player like that you get to know him just a little bit and you get to see him on the practice floor interacting with his teammates, you say, yeah, this is why this guy stuck around the league for so long and, and why he's still coveted by teams. And that was a couple of years ago and why he's still coveted by teams today uh, was on display just the other night. So, uh, you know, the injuries are something that he's dealt with throughout his career. And I said it before, he's players like that. And like Derek Rose, who have dealt with a lot of stuff <laughs> in terms of rehab and in terms of getting themselves back and in terms of having to prove themselves again and again and again, that ain't easy. And, you know, you, you credit players like Alec Burks and like Derek Rose for doing uh, what they've done throughout their career. Yeah. And the thing people don't realize about Alec Burks is two things. One is the fact that since Utah traded him to Cleveland in the 18, 19 season, he's been on five teams. He was traded again by the Cavs to Sacramento in that kind of super trade, if you will. And then he went to the Warriors. He was averaging 16 and five with three assists and a steal playing a huge role in and out of the starting lineup. He got traded to Philly. People kind of have that kind of, you forget it's hard. It was a long season last year. By the time play restarted, you know, we've forgotten what he did on his previous team, but he's come in with the Knicks. He was an instant favorite of Tom Thibodeau, a guy that loves to, to ride the minutes out of his core. And, and, you know, he's been great and dominant, last night with his 27 and I know we're gonna have a lot more great moments and then you know let's talk about about Derek Rose who it seems John has had quite a few careers in, in this one because you know he came in number one pick got the bolts to the playoff took the mighty Celtics to seven games right away they weren't wasting any time you know several trips to the conference finals Rose was incredible then he suffered that that tragic uh, uh injury devastating is a better word for it missed more than a year and he came back helped the Bulls get to the playoffs hit a winner against our Cavs 
And then with Minnesota, he had the 50-point game. And now kind of reborn again in New York as that super sixth man, almost that sixth starter. How happy are you as just a basketball purist, John, not even as an announcer, just as a fan, to see Derrick Rose in the playoffs, still only 32, uh, impacting tight games like this? I think it's great. And again, you know, impressive. Yes. Surprising. No, not really. I mean, we know what this guy's all about. He performs when the lights are the brightest. I mean, we're talking about the youngest MVP, you know, in league history. Uh, so he, he's something, I mean, he's a special player and he remember too, there are a lot of players in this league who aren't comfortable coming off the bench, you know, particularly when they've been, a multiple time all-star and an MVP. And that's, you know, beneath a number of guys, not Derek, you know, he said, this is the role I want to play. I think you, you mentioned the 50 point game in Minnesota, his post-game interview, just his passion for the game is, is on display. And he talked about some of those things that we just discussed having to prove himself all over again. So you feel good for the guy. Uh, and now that he's contributing in, in an atmosphere that finally is a winning atmosphere uh, and it's on display in front of the whole country in these uh, playoffs, uh, it's nice. There's no question about it. He, he was a good Cavalier in the short time he was here. Uh, and, you know, you wish players like that the best. And I know a lot of guys come through, you know, especially as an announcer, you know, you form relationships with a lot of guys. But if you will, then maybe there's nothing here and we'll move on. But is there a specific moment maybe you remember a quote from Derek Rose, a conversation that kind of showed that as soon as he got back to the court in Cleveland and started playing well again, that his career could kind of continue as it had uh, when he began the year in Cleveland and how he was. Well, I don't in think there's a quote, but it, in a, you know, there's no, this first time he talks to the media, there's no doubt in his mind that he's able to do this. And I think that's an important part of players who are successful in this league. I mean, in his mind, there's never any doubt I can play and I'm going to be helpful for this team. And you get that vibe from the first time he opens his mouth, from the first time you introduce yourself to him and you're around him in the practice facility. So I think it's just that belief that drives players like that, and it's gone a long way, obviously, in Derrick Rose's career. And then just in the, in the realm of the playoffs, obviously, John, I'm sure from what we spoke about before, you've been enjoying some of the games. Are there any specific teams you've kind of had more time to watch now than you did in the regular season that you've kind of really enjoyed watching that have kind of, you know, maybe even show you a few things for next year in the NBA? Well, it's interesting you say that because our typical day, you know, when we have a, a seven o'clock game, Austin and I will come home and then we'll, we'll be on the phone talking about the West Coast games because we can catch all those games, um, you know, on League Pass. So we watch a lot of West Coast basketball simply because we're working from seven to 10 and then we're home from 10 to one, you know. Yep. So, uh, so that, I mean, the Western Conference always is intriguing, and, and I've been looking forward to a, a number of these playoff matchups. But to me, Zach, you know, the East, this is more intriguing in the East than we've had in a long, long time. Yes. That 3 6 matchup is a beauty. I mean, Bucks and Heat, um, I, I can't wait to watch those teams continue to play and for this series to roll on. But, you know, you, you think back to previous seasons, there hasn't been this much intrigue, I guess you could say, or, or this many teams that have a viable shot to make some noise. I mean, you know, the top three teams, it would not surprise me one bit if one of the top three teams or the sixth team in the Eastern Conference come out of the East. And to say four teams legitimately have a shot to win in the East, you look back to the last, what, 10, 15 years, you're hard-pressed to find four teams that have a legit shot. Now, the West, a little bit different, but, boy, you know, those are some fun matchups as well. Two sevens <laughs> shaping up to be a beauty as the Suns yep. and the Lakers 
game one is already, you know, in the books and the Suns look good and the Lakers and Anthony Davis have some work to do uh, to get themselves where they need to be in that series. So I think it's fun up and down the list. To answer your question more specifically, we get to watch the West Coast teams a little bit more often than the East, but the East is what has caught my eye in terms of these matchups, mainly because to me it's so wide open and a handful of teams can come out of this thing and head on to the finals. Yeah, and again, this might not happen, but if so, I feel like this could be the first year we don't have any series go less than six in an entire first round because you look at Memphis, that's going to be tough for Utah even when they get Mitchell back. You know, the Wizards, even though they lost game one to Philly, showed that that they could be dangerous. You can't count the Celtics out at any point, you know, having seen that game in person a couple of days ago. Now, Bucks heat, you know, what a battle. And I think my favorite thing, John, about this Suns-Lakers I think it is the only matchup in the league that features both teams having multiple former Cavs because in Phoenix, you've got Jay Crowder and Cameron Payne. And then of course, with the Lakers, we have the King LeBron James, you've got Alfonso McKinney. And if I look down the end of the bench, I might find another one, but still, I I think that's really cool that they kind of all, they all had roots, you know, in Cleveland and now they're out here battling in what might be the arguably the most competitive series in the league right now. Andre Drummond on that list. That's right. That's right. I knew I was missing someone. He might, I mean, if you think about it, he might be the one that's the X factor. I mean, is that, is that going to work with that team? I mean, it, it, we haven't been able to figure it out because LeBron and Anthony Davis really haven't played alongside Andre Drummond much at all. And we'll see if it's going to, you know, how that's going to work, you know, as the series rolls along, but that, to me, that could be the X factor in terms of whether this team, you know, obviously LeBron and AD need a little bit of help. Where they're going to find it always seems to be a question. Uh, is Drummond a candidate for that? He could be, uh, and we're going to find out. But it's going to be that series has that series has so many layers. James, how about James? You know, former Cavs, James Jones, the GM of the. That's Celtics. right. Uh, so I mean, that's a that series. That's a fun one to watch on a lot of different levels, and I think it's going to play out that way as that as that series rolls on. Yeah, man, you know, it's, and I'm sure it's going to be the same for you. And it's like, it was like that this year when you did West Coast games, but I'm pretty sure that uh, the couch is going to get a lot more hours of work than the bed over the next several months. Cause this is just way too fun to go to sleep early. No question. No, I I mean, this, if, if game one of all eight series, any indication we're, we're going to have two months of uh, two months of fun straight ahead. Yeah, absolutely. And it's been great, you know, obviously seeing fans back in. So I know this year was different and the Cavs were though one of the seven teams when the year started to have fans in the arena. But John, how excited does this make you uh, to get back? Because we see mom, I splashed in the Knicks last night and Mike and Clyde couldn't even hear each other based on how loud it got in the arena. So thinking about full crowds must have you excited to kind of feel like you might be able to make it to pre-pandemic crowds all across the league for opening day next year. Yeah, and, you know, if you need any indication of how fans affect the sport, I think Madison Square Garden was a perfect example of just how, you know, it just felt good again to see that take place. Even, you know, how about Mickelson's win over the weekend? What yes. Without fans compared to what that was, night and day, right? I mean, you want to talk about the importance of fans in sports. So, yeah, of course we're excited, and it, 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 it felt – odd you know we to be honest with you Zach, we were just thrilled to be back you know and that the nba was able to play for fans at home but now that it's gonna feel right again you know next season when everybody's back where they belong so it's uh 
the NBA deserves a lot of credit, man, a lot of credit. And the, the way that this is all played out and I can't wait for it to continue and to get back to full strength, hopefully by the start of next season. Yeah. Cause for me, just watching on TV, I, I felt anxiety and I had no rooting interest in any of these games, right? I'm just thinking they're going to hit a big shot. Then it's going to get loud again. And John, I think the one thing for me, and I'm sure you noticed the same, the one thing you notice with crowds that we didn't have this year during the regular season is that when there's a big moment, and I think it's basketball above all sports, whether or not you stand up, all the hands go up, up, up above their head on the big play. And I think that not seeing that almost made it feel not lesser, but just different. Like it mattered, I guess, a little lesser. Yeah. Yeah, it was different. I mean, no question. It, 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 took, it took a little bit of getting used to. And if you think it took – us getting used to it a little time think about what it was like for the players and the coaches and everything else so once again hats off to everybody involved and uh hopefully we won't have to worry about that ever again or for a long long time yeah because it's not gonna it's gonna feel weird having not had fans more than having fans but all right john so the year for the Cavs is over we got the draft lottery coming up we still got you know we're gonna have summer league in august but overall you know for you and you were a longtime radio announcer for the team and you just finished your second year as the TV man. So first off, congrats to that, you know, two years in the books. Here's the fierce to the next two and the two after that, and the two after that. But my question is how do you kind of grade maybe whether it's your preparation or, you know, maybe it's a certain, it's a certain fashion sense, but how do you kind of grade the second year, you know, versus the first year, things you learned, things that things that changed, you know, et cetera. Well, in terms of preparation, everything stays the same for the most part. I mean, that didn't change from radio going to television. And and from day one, I mean, I, I think our crew deserves all the credit. I mean, our, our producer, Brent Valenti, and of course, working with Austin and working with Angel, uh, that's always a joy. You know, not, all of the laughter and everything that, that comes, hopefully that comes through the TV to our fans is as authentic as it gets. We're laughing even more when the cameras aren't rolling. So it's, uh, it's a joy to work beside Austin. I uh, love the man to death. And, um, you know, I, it's, it's just been a great ride. And I'm, I'm excited for the ride to continue on. Uh, it's, it's been, you know, it, making the move to TV, there are differences. But, again, a lot of the, a lot of the people around the team are the same. Uh, so while, the, you know, the nuances change, the, the organization and everything else does not. So I, the ride continues. I've loved every minute of it, and I'm fortunate to have such a great group of people around me. Absolutely. We're, we're lucky as a fan base to be able to have you come in 72 and hopefully back to 82 times a year next year to our living room. And the hope would be that next year you'll be able to travel for every game. And so on that, you know, I, I my best guess as someone that's completely on the outside and uninformed would be that at broadcaster meetings this summer – some kind of conversation happens about a possible return to travel. Maybe that's just for the NBA higher ups to handle, but for you, would you rather, you know, kind of keep it to how it was, right? You you're in Cleveland for all 72 or all 82 or have it possibly go back to how it was where, you know, you got the travel aspect, you know, you got kind of your roadmap of where you are places to check out. Do you miss, I know we talked about this, but do you miss more of the later nights and the extra travel more than you miss kind of having more time at home per se, because you don't have to be there? Well, it's an interesting question. I think every broadcaster would tell you that from a game perspective, you always want to be as close to the action as possible. You know, so we <clears throat> call them games off, you know, screens 
was one thing this season. You know, like I said, we weren't complaining because we were happy that we were able to do it. But simply by being at the game, your description will pick up almost by accident because you're, you can see more and you can hear more and you're right there. So I think every broadcaster would tell you they'd want to be there. And I think I do think most people think the broadcasters are going to be traveling again next season. So it should get back to normal. Now, on the other hand, not complain. I have two little ones here at home, a seven-year-old and a five-year-old. So in a game, I mean, just the other night we played in the Cavs played in DC and I was home tucking in my five-year-old at 10 at night, you know, the same night or otherwise we would have been traveling on to play our next game in Brooklyn. So there are, you know, family parts of this season that I liked, you know, that I said, you know, well, let's take advantage of this while it, while it's here because it's not going to be here for long and it's not going to be the case. So I enjoyed the way it worked out this season, but I do have a feeling that everybody's going to be traveling again next year. And it'll be a a lot closer to what we saw the season previous uh, than it was this year. I know for sure. There's gotta be pros. And then obviously you do pick up on more where you can't really see the body language on the bench. You see what the camera shows you and a great response, John. And one more question for you. And then we will uh, sign off. So there are two notable pieces of coaching history for the Cavs on May 24th. If you may know, you may not know that the Cavs generally don't play regular season games on May 24th, but you never know. I wouldn't put it past you to to have an index card with every fun Cavs fact that that's ever happened. But here we go. Uh, May 24th, 1984, the Cavaliers fired Tom Nasalki after two years as coach. He coached from 82 to 84, 26 and 28 wins respectively. And then 28 years ago today, on May 24th, 1993, the great Lenny Wilkins resigns as head coach. Then he went to Atlanta where he won coach of the year immediately, kind of telling of how great he is. Overall thoughts on Lenny during his run as, not as Cavs point guard, but as Cavs coach, where he took Mark, Mark Price and Brad Doherty, et cetera, to the conference finals and some magnificent seasons. Well, I'll tell you this, Zag, the, the 50th anniversary of the team was last season. Okay, so we, on a regular basis, saw Mark Price and Brad Doherty, who worked with us on a handful of broadcasts, and Craig Elo, and so many members from that team. And honest to goodness, anytime you talk to them about those days, within a sentence or two, Lenny Wilkins' name will pop up. And it happens right away every single time. And that told me all I needed to know about Lenny and about what he meant. And then you listen to these guys, you know, you keep your mouth shut, you keep your ears open and, and you learn about what Lenny meant and how good he was and, and the things that he told these guys that have stuck with them until they're, you know, well out of basketball and beyond. It was amazing how often they talked about Lenny and how quickly they talked about Lenny when discussing the success of those teams. So uh, man, what a, what a remarkable human being. Uh, Lenny Wilkins is and was during his NBA days uh, and well, well respected, believe me, uh, around this league. Yeah, absolutely. I wish I was old enough to have watched those Cavs games because having just done so much research over these last couple of years, I've gotten older and wanted to learn more. So many great memories there. So many great players as uh, we sign off. John Michael. Announcer for the Cavs, pleasure as always to speak with you. And I felt like, you know, this this is probably the quickest amount of time between two recordings, but it's always great to hear your voice and uh, bring you on. Love love everything you have to say. Oh, you got it, Zach. Keep up the great work, my friend, and have a great offseason. We'll talk to you soon. And you too. For John Michael, I am Zach Weiss. This is Across the Cavs, which is brought to you 
by DraftKings. If you liked what you heard, head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review of your experience as a listener.